to Genesis chapter 2. Now, we're going to start a new series here today, and uh, we're going to call it Family Ties, just how to minister to the family once again. Now, this is going to go numerous weeks, and the more I get in and study this, the more excited I get about this, because I believe this is very timely for not only our church, but for our society. Now, every one of us in here, we have... Uh, characteristics that came from Adam and Eve. We have biological characteristics, whether it's physical or spiritual. And what I mean by that is, is tendencies that were birthed within us from Adam and Eve. Now, you can think in light with this that many times with a child, you'll say he, he looks like his mom, he looks like his dad, he acts like his grandpa. Well, a lot of those are genetics, tendencies that we've been given passed down the line. And so... No matter who you are today, you are part of a family, and the family of God. And so we just want to give you some, some biblical clarity here today that I believe is going to set you free, really going to help you in life. Genesis chapter 2, begin with me in verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and that's just the physical separation. That means you've got to get out of the house, is what that means. And be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. Now, when he talks about they shall be joined to his wife, he's talking about a spiritual and even an emotional intimacy. One mind, one heart, one spirit, a togetherness. And God's birthing of the marriage covenant between man and woman was that your home be built upon love and respect and honor toward each other. And so, you see right here, this was the heartbeat of Father God. To bring, to bring a, a man and woman together and they become one. Verse number 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, the devil, he was more cunning, he was more crafty, he was slicker than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now right here, this begins to tell us to a certain degree how the devil worked back then and how he still works to this day. Actually, what he tries to do is he tries to cast doubt on God's character and God's uh, integrity upon us. And so right here, any time the devil can create doubt in us, that we begin to question God and His Word, He's got us in a good place. And so He did this in the beginning, and He still does this. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, May we eat the fruit of the tree of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. In other words, you've got to be kidding you know as well as I do that you eat that apple or whatever type of fruit it was, it's not going to kill you. So once again, what he tries to do here is question doubt within us. Verse number 5. 
For not God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and with her he ate. With her he ate. Now, at this very second, between with what Adam and Eve did, sin now entered into humanity. Right here, and this is one of the genetics or the tendencies that we get from Adam and Eve. And so, what came along with sin right here? Well, the first thing that, that comes with sin, or the first characteristic of sin, look in verse 7. Then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened. They're spiritualized. The voice of their conscience was open. And that they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig trees or fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And so what you begin to see here, that there became a shame that came on them. And anytime we get over into sin in our life, it brings a shame. If there wasn't a shame, then why did they hide themselves? So one of the first characteristics that me and you must see of sin, it's going to bring a shame. How many of you have ever done something in your life as far as sin that it shamed you? Oh, it shamed you that you thought, oh, I hope no one ever finds out I did this. Probably every one of us in this room have had something like that because of our, our tendency to sin. And so it brings with it a shame. He goes on to say here, in verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now once again, guys, shame caused them to hide. And who did it cause them to hide from? From God. Anytime I get over into sin, it separates me from Father God. It separates me, and not only does it separate me, it creates a poison within me that you're going to live confused, you're going to live dominated or disappointed, and you're going to live defeated. Why? Our essence of our source of being all comes through Father God. But without Father God, life is confused. I remember growing up and not having God. Man, I didn't know where I was going in life. I didn't know what my purpose was. Because that's the separation that sin brings. But not only that, you're going to live, live disappointed. You're going to live defeated. And it's a result of sin. So when you begin to see this right here, the feeling of shame acts as if a punishment within itself. What do I mean by that? If you've ever been shamed by your past, you'll hear this. The devil will say many times, you're bad. You're really a bad person. Something's wrong with you. Actually, the devil will even try to convince you that you're the worst person in the world. There's no one else on this earth has done what you've done. And ultimately, you know what that does? That causes a shame. And, and this, is, this is a trick of the devil. Keep reading with me here. Verse 9, And the Lord God called to Adam, and he said to him, Where are you? Where are you? The, the separation caused him to hide. So he said, 
I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And so the, 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 proto, or the thought that comes with shame, it brought a fear. He was afraid, and it brought an embarrassment. I can't come into the presence of God. I'm not worthy to do this. What's the solution for us as human beings? Hold your place right there, and I'm going to come right back to it, but I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, and this is what will get you out of that sense of shame, that sense of embarrassment, that sense of fear. You know, I, I remember years in my life that I thought this, God, God doesn't like me. God's mad at me. God sits up in heaven with a big old Texas-sized uh, fly swatter, and he wants to swat me. Why was that that way? Because the separation that sin brings. But here's good news for you this morning. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Now if you'll look there in those first two sentences, he says, rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say rejoice in your job or rejoice at what you have or don't have. And then he says, for my soul shall be joyful in my God. The only source of joy that me and you are ever going to have can only come from Father God. You know what? You can get a brand new car and that may bring a joy for you for about a month or two until you start to make payments. And then you lose the joy when you got to clean it. It starts getting dirty. But the only true source of joy for me and, you, me and you as human beings is in Father God. How does that happen? Well, look what he goes on to say. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has dressed me up in a suit of salvation. How does that happen? When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it's as Father God brings this garment, this suit, and He puts on you. And you know what that suit says? That's my boy. That's my girl. Now, once again, to be born again, to receive this, guys, you can't earn that. You just got to receive what Jesus did. And look at the second benefit of salvation. For He has clothed me with the garments of righteousness. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. He's put this robe on me. Now that word righteousness right there, it means a deliverance. So when I get born again and I give my heart to Jesus, it's not just about salvation. It's a deliverance from my past where I put this robe on. And now guess what that robe says? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Father God now looks at me as a son. He looks at me as an heir, as a co-heir, because of what Jesus did. That's my solution. Go back with me there into Genesis. Genesis uh, chapter 3, where we were. And so when you begin to look at all this, you got to give your heart to Jesus. You know, in my own life, guys, I've, I've dealt with, with shame. I mean, I've dealt with severe shame, and, and a lot of that was because of my own sin. The life I lived before Jesus of immorality. And I had a lot of immorality in me. And so I remember times in my life where the devil would say, you'll never be able to be born again because of your past. And God will never use you. And there's times in my life, in my early years of pastoring, I would hear the devil say to me, who do you think you are? 
that you can preach the Word of God. And so what he would try to do, he would try to bring that shame back upon me. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things are passed away, all things have become new. And so I begin to see my life, my life in that light. Because of Jesus, I'm a new creation, and Jesus forgave my past. Now, you know what is huge for me and you to understand about how Jesus forgives our sins? Not only does He forgive your past sins, He forgives your present sins. And He'll forgive your future sins. And some of you are saying, our future sins? Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you sinned since you got born again? Now, I'm not preaching here and giving you a license to sin, but what I am telling you is this, that with the blood of Jesus, there came a warranty that only He could make. And that warranty is for my past, my present, and my future. That i got to live underneath the blood of Jesus. And if Jesus says that when I became a new creation in Him, old things are passed away, then you know what? I'm just going to live that way. Does that mean the devil will leave you alone? Probably not. And if the devil doesn't try to bring up your past shame, guess who will? Other people. How many of you have ever had other people remind you of how you used to be? You know what? It doesn't bother me. I just look like I'm a new creation. That's that old man. He's dead. Now, here we go. Let's go a little farther here this morning. Look in verse number 11, Genesis 3:11. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Who told you? Now, the reason God asked that question is at that time, there were only two people on earth, Adam and Eve, and then there was Father God and the devil. So God knew who was responsible, so he asked him, who told you? Now, get this. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Now, when he asked, he asked Adam this question, this is very similar than what, to what Father God does with me and you. The reason God asked him if he would eat from that tree wasn't to punish him. He was giving Adam an opportunity to repent. Have you done this, Adam? Just come clean. Become responsible for your actions. But look what Adam does in verse 12. Then the man said, the woman... Then he said to the woman, now ladies, I'm going to tell you right now, this excuse has been going around for thousands of years. It hadn't changed one bit. And so instead of Adam taking responsibility and saying, I did it, we get into the second characteristic of sin. We live in shame. We fall to shame. We're going to fall to blame. And you know what as human beings we love to blame everybody else. How do you know? Well, look what he goes on to say, verse 12. Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me the tree and I ate. So guess what he does here? In one sentence, he blames Eve and then he blames Father God. And in essence, you know what Adam's saying right here? God, I was doing pretty good in life till you brought me that woman. Man, me and the, the monkeys and the zebras, the pigs, the goats, the dogs, we were getting along pretty good. Now, what ends up happening to us as human beings 
it's a lot easier to blame someone else. And this is what he begins to do. And not only does it cause a separation from God, it caused a separation in his own marriage. Anytime I, I start blaming, I give up my power to change. It's like there's a, a poison within me. I am my own affliction. I am my own disease. And so how many of you have got into the habit where it's easier to blame? I'm going to tell you, when you live in blame, guys, you're never going to walk in freedom. Well, it's, it's my dad's fault. It's my mom's fault. You know, the reason I'm not successful in life is because my boss. My boss hates my guts. The reason I'm not successful in life because my 12th grade English teacher. And you know that football coach I had, that Gary Taylor, he was so unfair. See, well, this is what begins to happen. And because we begin to blame everybody else, it locks us into this state. When I blame people, guys, I'm never going to get out of that. It's going to keep me paralyzed right there. And so what, what God was trying to do, even with Adam, I believe, was he was saying, listen, buddy, take responsibility. Because if you don't, you're going to go from shame to blame. And you want to see something interesting? Look at verse 13. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? So you know what he says to Eve? I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. And look at her reply. And the woman said, the devil made me do it. And the woman said, the devil may. So once again right here, what does she get over and do? She blames. And when you look at this, this was a history throughout the Bible. Remember when the Israelites came out of Egypt and things weren't going the way they wanted to? Who did they blame? They blamed God and they blamed Moses. Got to blame someone. And so even in their own lives, they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. You know what the 40 years represents to me? They wasted their entire life. Because it was easier to blame somebody else. And I look at my own life and I think, you know what? I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to do that. But as long as I blame, this is what's going to happen. And when you study the Bible, if you look in Genesis 4, the blame game that Adam and Eve played, uh, that they did, it came down right under their own family. Cain blamed Abel. Many times... What we see happens in our house becomes our characteristics. Now, one of the definitions of the word blame is to accuse. It means accusations. Revelations 12.10 says, The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Now, the reason I highlight that is when me and you begin to play the blame game and we begin to accuse everybody else, you know what we're doing? We're taking on the characteristic of the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. Now when we start reading the rest of this passage, what, what's outlined here is the curses that mankind brought upon themselves. In verses 14 and 15, God deals with the devil, and he said, Listen, buddy, because of what you, what you pulled, I'm going to bruise your head. I love that thought. God's going to bruise your head, boy. Then he gets over in, in verses 16 into the curse that came upon the woman. Now, 
In our lives, this is what happens, I believe, to us as human beings. We go from shame to blame, and ultimately we want to live with fame. Now, you know what fame says as human beings? I want to be noticed. I want to be important. I want to be valued. Oh, I want to be prestigious. I want everybody to know me. So what do we end up doing? We do everything we can out of our own abilities to have fame. Now, in Genesis 12, you know what Father God said to Abraham? He said, I'll make your name great. God's not against me and you's name being made great. God's just against how we go about doing it. So you think about, as humans, how we go about trying to get, get fame. I live in a better house than you. I wear a certain type of clothing, so I'm better than you. My kids go to this school. See, before long, we begin to use things, and where fame goes to, it becomes a competition. Have you noticed how, how our society is driven with competition? Where do you go to church? Well, I go to the first church of the frozen Joseph. Huh? So well, ultimately, what? it's a competition. Why your car do you drive? How much rain did you get in your gauge? I got an inch. I mean, I look at the things we compete over to have fame, and I think, see, this is the characteristics that happen with sin. It's see, God wants us to be famous, but it's got to be God doing it, where we become hooked back to God. Now, listen real close here as we go into verse 16. I want to see, you, see some things here today that will help you in everyday life, but also in your marriage. Verse 16. To the woman, he said... I will greatly, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain, and you shall bring forth children. Now, this was part of the curse of the law. This was a tendency that would come upon women. Now, when you look at this first part of this verse right here, it's easy to assume that he was saying the purpose of women is to have children. That's the purpose of women. You're going to have children. And I believe many times a lot of women begin to look at this, and when their children start getting older and they start living, leaving the house, many times they fall into depression, and the reason that happens is because they feel like their purpose is done. Look at the next one. Your desire shall be for your husband. Your desire shall be for your husband. So you know what he insinuates here? Ladies, you're going to live for your husband. Now when I read this right here, this is the Achilles heel of women, I believe. This is the greatest stumbling block for women. This is the root of most dysfunctional behavior among women, was their relationship with men. And I've seen it over and over and over and over, that women have lived for the approval of men. Now, this is just my thought. The reason I believe that, that lesbianism is such an increase in our society right now is because women hadn't got the approval of men they needed. Just my thought. So let me say this to you today, ladies. Your highest purpose isn't just to have children. And your highest pur purpose, ladies, isn't just to please your, uh, your husband. See, you weren't put here, guys, 
for your relationship with your children and your relationship with your husband to be a greater relationship than that with your father. Your greatest purpose, ladies, is that of a child of God. Now, the reason I say all this, because when we live under the curse of the law, if you're not careful, this will become your tendency. This is my purpose. This is my only reason. For... That's not your only reason. Now, look at the last part of that verse. And he shall rule over you. One translation says, the desire to please, but he will lord it over you. Now, look at it real close. He shall rule over you. Some of you husbands, you're wanting to get your highlighter out and you're wanting to mark your Bible, your wife's Bible. It said, dear, did you see this? I'm to rule over you. I've known this for years. Listen, guys. This fell underneath the curse. This wasn't how God created it. He said, if you'll think back, He created a man and woman. He said, therefore shall she be bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and they shall become one. This doesn't sound like one to me. Now that word right there, to rule over in the Hebrew, you know what it means? It means to dominate. It means to dominate. That means, ladies, that, that if you live under the curse of the law, you're going to be dominated, but that wasn't God's idea. This is what happened because of the curse. This was the tendency. See, husbands, I believe this. We were called to be servant leaders. We're called to be servant leaders. Now think about the dominance. You can begin to look. I remember back when I was in school, they didn't let girls play any athletics. Only the boys could do that. And how many of you work at a place right now where you're equally qualified with men, but you don't get paid nothing like the men do? Why? Because this dominance that's gone on. But once again, this wasn't God's idea. And if I'm not careful, husbands, I'll try to lead my family this way, and when I do, it just causes collision. It's not good. It'll cause a separation. I believe God's saying right here, my design was that you live and you respect and you honor each other together. But if I don't, I'm going to tell you, it's going to get ugly. That's why so much of our marriages are in the shape of yours, because you know what? There becomes a competition. There's a tug of war. I'm going to show you who's boss. But when I live that way, there's a separation. So he goes on and says some interesting things here. He tells Adam, he said, listen, buddy, you're going to sweat all the days of your life. This is under the curse. Now look at verse number 20, Genesis 3, 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve. Remember when he first was introduced to her, he called her woman. But now he said, I'm just going to call you Eve. Because she was the mother of all living. When you begin to look at that, there was a separation. doesn't have to be. Verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. Now think back in, in, into the earlier parts of Genesis 3, that Adam and Eve, they tempted to cover themselves by their own efforts, but it didn't work. But right here, Father God says, I'm going to cover you. Now, in the Old Testament, the way God covered the, the, the humans 
was through the sacrifices of blood of animals. He would have sheep sacrificed and cattle sacrificed, and that blood was the atonement for mankind. But not in the New Testament. He said, I'm going I'm to create for you a Savior named Jesus. And His blood will be good for every one of you. And I believe in the home, the marriage, the family, that when we live under the blood of Jesus, it brings us back into the very order that God planned for us to be under. How do I know that? Look back into Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. What's the answer? You're going to see the answer is Jesus Without Jesus in my life, without me learning to live under the blood of Jesus, I'm going to live by these negative tendencies. I'm going to live by shame, blame, and fame. I'm going to tell you right now. But once I begin to understand what Jesus has done for me, ooh, I can live free. I can live with a blessing. Revelations 12. Get ready. You're allowed to shout in here. Verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now... Not later, now. Salvation and with salvation is strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they, the ones who are born again, you and me, we overcome Him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb or the blood of Jesus. Golly, some of you should have done a cartwheel. Some of you should have got excited. You know what this means right here? You take it to a court of law. And according to this, day and night, you know what the devil does? He, he walks before God like an attorney that's trying to prosecute. And he says, Father God, did you see what Jesse Garcia has done? Do you see, have you seen how Ken Richburg has treated his wife? Have you? And so he accuses over and over. That's what he does. It says day and night. He just walks around trying to accuse us. Do you see what they've done? See, he likes to point out our faults. And so Father God, the, the great judge, he's sitting there on the throne looking at him, and he looks over at Jesus. You know what Jesus does? Jesus takes off his coat. And he lifts up his shirt. And he doesn't say one thing. He shows the stripes on his back. And then he looks and shows the nail holes in his hand. And you know what Father God does? Father God takes his, is it a gavel? Thank you. And he says, innocent. Declared free. Your shame. No more. That blame, I don't have to live under that no more. Jesus has paid that price. Jesus has stepped right in there for you. And so guess what? If you lived with shame, you don't have to no more. You can begin to say, I thank you, Lord. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And I can stand here before you today, guys. The reason I walk in freedom now is I just received the blood of the Lamb. I realized I didn't do nothing. But oh, I thank the Lord Jesus. Now I want you to go to one more scripture. Go with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Listen, guys. 
I got to live beneath the blood today. I got to live beneath the blood tomorrow. I got to live beneath the blood the next. I just keep letting the blood of Jesus cleanse me. I stay underneath it. And when the devil comes and tries to bring up my shame and blame, I say, uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. It's finished. He's already done it. Matthew 20, verse 26. This will help you in your home and your marriage right here. Yet it shall be not yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now get this. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. I want you to get that. The reason Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And he ends with this says, and to give his life a ransom, to give his life a payment for many. So when I look at this right here, to serve and to sacrifice. That's the element of reconciliation. You want to change your marriage? You want to change your home? Begin to learn and say, I'm going to be a servant, and I'm going to learn to sacrifice. See, this would be the question I would ask to every marriage in right here. Have you done everything you knew to do as a servant? Could you honestly look your wife in the eye and say, I've served you to the fullest? I hate to stand before you today and tell you, I couldn't say that. Have you sacrificed for me to the fullest? No, I haven't, but yet I'm going to quit on you in a marriage? Listen here, guys. When I look at what he says in this passage right here, the measure of success for children of God is not well, how well you rule, but how well you serve. Ouch. That hurt. And this is the thing the Lord's begin to deal with me in my own home. You want your home better? You want your marriage better? See, yeah, we want to talk about dominating. But if I really want to dominate, let me dominate in the way I serve. Let me dominate in the way I sacrifice. And some of you men are saying, shut up. But I look and I think we can play games all we want or we can begin to look and think, God wants to restore the family. He wants. I look at our families in America, it's the most dysfunctional we've ever been. And I'm not, I'm not putting that out on any people. I'm just saying as the body of Christ, let's rise back up. Let's rise back. Men, let's rise back up. Let's, let's be leaders of our home, not in, by our fist, but in our love, in our sacrifices. Stand on your feet with me. And God's doing something, guys. I'm telling you, God is doing something. And it's a good thing. Listen right here. I I just ask that that every one of you be very reverent right now. Bow your head. You may be here today. And you have lived under a cloud of shame. Maybe for a few days, maybe weeks, maybe for years of your life. And and, and you seem like your life is that you walk on eggshells. You don't come to work or you don't come to church because of this thing called shame. I don't want anybody to find out I did this or that. 
See, that's the devil. That's the deception that he wants to keep you that way. I don't want people to know I, I, I've been married 33 times. I, see, this is the shame. And maybe that's you today. Listen, God loves you. He's not mad at you. That's the blood of the Lamb. That's, that's that new creation reality. See, I've got a past too, guys. I've got a horrible past, but I'm not going to live by that. Number two, if you've been a blamer, and you know every time the conflicts arises or something happens, there's a bl- it's easier to blame. See, I believe God's birthing something new in you today. And she said, I'm going to take responsibility. And if you've been eaten up by fame, I, I-, I just want to be known, and I want to have money. And I- See, years ago, there was a guy in the church, guys. He had some great cars. I mean, he had some great cars. He called me one day and was in bad shape. And he said, Pastor, I'm in trouble financially. i got to sell my cars. I said to him, I said, listen. Your identity as a man isn't based on what kind of car you drive. And he said, Pastor, you don't understand. Growing up, I didn't have nothing. And he said, now, all this stuff I have, it's a way of me looking at people in their eyes and saying, look at me now. So I'm going to tell you guys, that's a false fame, guys. You know why? That stuff's going to rust. That stuff's going to go away. The fame that Jesus wants to put in you is the fame that he put in Abraham that it's gone forever. It's gone for. See, that's what God wants to do for each one of you. But if you're here today and you're dominated by shame, blame, or even fame, and you're saying, man, I, 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 need, I need rid myself of this by the blood of Jesus. I need help today. I need to come under the wings of the Almighty. If that's you today, I want you to come down here. Don't, don't let shame give. Just say, I'm marching down there. God is going to do something in my life today. And some of you today, 